Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back in the morning, Hookup. Having a great time on a Monday. Let's bring on our guy, Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Evan, happy Monday. Happy Monday, gents. Are you, uh, we're all, you sound like the rest of the country, probably suffering from the, uh, air quotes, Super Bowl hangover Monday. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, everybody... Everybody stays up later and and indulges and all that. And I mean, I think it's another reminder. I saw this around this week, and I'm sure this is not actually gaining any traction. But the notion of moving Super Bowl, this the game, to Saturday was always kind of interesting to me. Um, you know, I, I like the tradition of Sunday, obviously, and probably would be for keeping it that day. But come Monday morning, like this, I think there probably would be a lot of people that would say, "Huh, you know, what if, what if you had this thing on a." Saturday afternoon, evening, and then you had the next day to, you know, if you're with family or whatever, to travel back or recover, and then you get back to work. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was fun. Uh, like I told you guys before, I'm, I'm a Broncos fan, so I don't know that I reveled in the outcome necessarily, but it was a close game, and the ads were entertaining enough, and so it's a win. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because, I, you know, I knew, we know you're a Broncos fan, and I don't have a dog in the fight because I don't really have an NFL team, but I think the Super Bowl for me – and if you don't have a team in it, it has to hit three elements. It's the game, the commercials, halftime show. If they can hit three, then you're a winner on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, yes, the game was close. The ads, I thought, were, were decent. Uh, you know, the, the Pepsi ones, to me, were, were really funny with Steve Martin and Ben Stiller. I thought those mm-hmm. were well done, uh, you know, in, in the wheelhouse of guys at my age, I suppose. And then, um, you know, I, I like the Rihanna show. I know uh, it's not for everybody, and, and everybody has their own, you know, musical styles and preferences and all that. But uh, I thought it was entertaining and uh, interesting. And so, yeah, it's uh, it was a win all the way around. I mean, obviously the Eagles could have easily won that game, but they didn't. Do you have any doubts that? Jalen Hurts and, and that team could get to one here maybe in the next few years? Well, we always think that, right? Like the mm-hmm. Super Bowl ends and you think, man, these two teams could be back here next year. Like that's always sort of the, the knee-jerk reaction. But, you know, the, the reality in the NFL, uh, especially with salary caps and things like that, is that it's really hard to keep a roster intact. I, I was reading even just on uh, the Kansas City side, I think Mahomes – takes up close to it's like 17 or 18 percent of the cap for his team which is uh, unusual for a, a, a team with a quarterback that takes that much to win the super bowl usually this happens when guys are on their rookie deals or maybe taking more team friendly uh sort of approaches to things so that was a little bit rare but you know i, I do I, I think the eagles are, are in some ways a team in transition anyone who's a husker fan and follows cam jurgens knows that uh, jason kelsey could be 
retiring, uh, you know, as, as one of the better centers in franchise history. Uh, they, they had a lot of, I think, players that had sort of career seasons this year that, that may want to be uh, or, or looking to deservedly get paid here in the near future. So it's hard to sort of maintain that when guys uh, produce and move on and you have to maintain through the draft. So it certainly it's possible. I thought Jalen Hurts silenced a lot of doubters this season. You know, I definitely count me among those who didn't think that, that he could do what he did over the course of a full season. Um, but but they do have a lot of sustainable parts. A lot of, uh, you know, what they did on defense was no accident this season. Um, and just their style of offense is so different in the NFL with, with the quarterback run game and the way that they – uh, are able to get the, execute those sneaks at such an elite level on, on third and fourth and shorts. So, yeah, I, I think they have a chance to continue to be dominant. But, you know, again, as we see every year, the teams that make it, uh, there is often sort of that hangover um, effect where guys move on to bigger and better things. So we'll see how it goes. We're speaking to Evan Bland the home, with the Omaha World Herald. Well, Evan, um, I, I, we haven't asked you, are you, getting, um, are, you having, um, are you going to San Diego coming up in four days? Man, I wish oh, that'd be great. I was no, thinking, I was thinking I'll be maybe. here. I mean, it's say it's sixty degrees today, so it's uh, you know not so bad. But no, I'll be I'll be hanging out for the first couple of weeks. I was thinking maybe you were scrambling trying to figure out what pair, how many shorts that you could take to San Diego. But you'll be here. You'll be here. So, but uh, we're four days away, four days away from seeing the debut of this uh, Husker uh, baseball team. Um, what are some things that you're going to be looking for in that first series, uh, whether it be rotation or lineup? Uh, that you'll be keyed on to see this Nebraska baseball team. Yeah, it's the, the first weekend is always really interesting, and especially in a year like this when there's been so much roster turnover. Uh, you know, you have a sense, I, I think, of how the lineup can look and how the rotation looks, but you just never really know until the game hits and adversity strikes, and you know, guys sometimes rise to the occasion, and other guys. Uh, maybe don't as much as you would have thought that they wouldn't practice. But, you know, I think I, I think we have a pretty good sense of what their, at least their first three games will be in terms of their starters, Emmett Olsen, Jace Kaminska, and probably Caleb Clark, the freshman. So there's always natural intrigue to see how those three perform against what actually is going to be a pretty good opponent. I mean, San Diego uh, won the West Coast Conference Tournament last year. They were a regional team. They're the favorites to win in that conference again this year. So this is not sort of a, a dip-your-toe-in-the-water sort of opening series. I mean, this is a, a, a strong opponent. I think you'll have a good sense of uh, what Nebraska can be all about right away. Um, but I think all that being said, the, the, the thing that I'm looking at in this series and I think is the key to this year is what does the offense look like? Because that was so... Uh, benign last year. It was it was anti-clutch. It was in a year when uh, home runs exploded across the sport again. Uh, Nebraska sort of did what it did and, and had one guy who hit double-digit home runs uh, in Max Anderson, and it just it just wasn't very potent. And so, what does it look like with more depth? The guys who we know are talented, like Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews and Garrett Anglum, do those guys take? a step forward. Uh, what does Dylan Carey bring to the table as that true freshman third baseman uh, who's, who's been really impressive in the off season? Uh, you know, Josh Karen, a catcher, had a great uh, summer and fall. Could he translate that here into the spring? Charlie Fisher, the Southern Miss transfer, 
probably your first baseman. Uh, does he provide some of that power that Nebraska has been lacking at that position for a couple of years? So there's just a lot of intrigue and, and a lot of guys who have maybe performed again uh, in their in their collegiate summer leagues or during fall ball, and the analytics are pointing towards stronger seasons. But you just don't know until you roll the ball out there and, and see how it goes. So I, I think that's going to be the number one thing for me is how, you know, is one, can Nebraska score? And two, if it does, how is it happening? Is it uh, is this going to be more of a power lineup? Or is this sort of uh, an offense maybe in the mold that we saw in 2021 where they're going to lay down some bunts, you're going to see some some of the speed element, and as, as well as maybe the extra base hits. We're talking to Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. You know, I'm excited to see some guys like Drew Christo and C.J. Hood, who were highly touted freshmen who came in last year. Uh, you know, I don't want to say underwhelming because as a freshman, you know, I'm sure it's tough to come on and immediately do really good things. But talk about those two guys because I know a lot of fans are really excited to see if they improve uh, here in their sophomore year. Yeah, they're interesting cases. I mean, Hood uh, is coming off of an injury. I think I, I would be surprised if you see him much, if at all, this weekend. I think uh, he's still sort of rounding into shape, and, and maybe March would be a more realistic month that we'll see him. But, yeah, I mean, he was uh, last season, I think, second on the team in appearances and a uh, pretty reliable arm out of the bullpen right away, hard thrower, low to mid-90s. So you think when he gets back, that's you know obviously a, an asset for what Nebraska wants to do out of the pen. Christo is an interesting case, too, because, you know, I think he had something like eight innings last year, gave up three home runs. Um, you know, you talk to, to some of his coaches, and, and they kind of felt like he was uh, just sort of feeling things out a little bit, a little bit tentative with the command, which led to uh, at least a couple of those home runs. But you think about his pedigree. I mean, he was a top 100 national prospect out of Elkhorn, could have gone to Stanford, could have gone to a number of the you know college baseball blue bloods, and chose to stay home and to go to Nebraska. And so uh, it, it's an interesting case because you know I think it's a reminder that not not everybody's uh, career paths are equal, right? Like some freshmen will come in and dominate from the jump, and that's and that's how it goes. And I think for Christo, the coaches sort of see, and, and I think I saw last year, you know, a guy who needed a year to maybe adjust. Um, you know, to, to the college game and, and to uh, how you pitch hitters and things like that. And so, you know, from a from a just a character standpoint, an ability standpoint, Christo's, uh, you know, toward the upper end of the roster in, in terms of those characteristics. Um, and, and now you think about this, the fact that this pitching was this team's strength last year. It figures to be this team's strength this year. And if Christo can perform anything close to what his projections were out of high school and what his ability level is, uh, I mean, that's, that's going to be huge for Nebraska, whether that's in a midweek role, whether that's a, sort of a high-leverage bullpen sort of situation, uh, whatever it ends up being. I mean, that's uh, I think that's sort of one of your X factors in uh, maybe Nebraska making that jump uh, you know, to, to contending for the Big Ten and beyond. Uh, Evan, you mentioned like those guys staying home. Um, and again, I can't wait to see this Usher team get going and get outside and play some baseball and uh, see what that continues to look like as their season progresses coming up. But um, you mentioned those guys staying home. Uh, Nebraska got a 2024 kid that's not staying home. And I think it's a big pickup, obviously, if you're going to go into Iowa and take one of their own in Caden Anderson. What can you tell us about him? And uh, I love when you, you his quote when you talked to him was, uh, he, I just want to be a part of it. That just stuck out to me. He's like, I want to be a part of that and what's happening at Nebraska. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's <laughs> he followed a similar story, I think, to what a lot of the recent commitments have. This is that time of year when uh, there are these prospect camps, and Nebraska coaches put a lot of emphasis on these off-season camps where they get to lay eyes on on different players, where they get to uh, you know have their own technology sort of. Um, capture what they can do. And the other thing that, that this staff is really big on is is that intangible aspect. What do these guys like to have a conversation with? What are they um, like from just a, a competitive standpoint with their peers? And so, um, you know, Caden Anderson, from, who's really not far out of Nebraska, Glenwood, Iowa, you know, that's just a uh, hop, skip, uh, you know, south of Omaha Council Bluffs there. But, um, you know, he's a guy that wasn't really on Nebraska's radar as recently as uh, I think about a, a month ago, and you know, hits it off at the prospect camp. Uh, the, the interesting thing about him is that he he grew up an Iowa fan, Hawkeye fan, uh, had an offer to go to Iowa, and ultimately chose Nebraska. And uh, he told me it was a number of different things, whether that's the chance to play early, uh, to be developed. Uh, the coaching staff really stood out to him, and. And he's a kid who uh, really saw his power sort of explode this last season. So there's some, you would think, some high upside there as well. And and I think that's just sort of the theme. He, he fits the mold of a lot of the recruits that Nebraska's added, where they do feel like the intangible side is there, the upside is there, uh, the production, uh, you know, against his, his level of talent has been there. And if you can keep those guys who are, you know, within a hundred miles of the program close to home, typically those are guys that are not going to transfer. Those are guys that are there for the long haul and ready to uh, commit and invest and, and be part of that program. So I think Caden Anderson, someone they're excited about in the near future and uh, they're happy to have him aboard. We're talking to Evan Bland. Evan, yeah, there's a lot of transfers coming in, and you probably might have mentioned, you might have answered this already, but uh, you know, give me your one transfer who you think fans are going to get to know really quickly, that fans are going to be able to cheer on, and that this transfer is going to be able to affect this team. Uh, who's who's that transfer, you think? Jace Kaminska, I think, the Wichita State transfer. He's going to be probably the Saturday starter for Nebraska this year, and you know, it's it's a big impact in a lot of ways. I mean, one, you look across the Big Ten at some of the portal activity in the off season, and there's really not anybody that's comparable to what Kaminska's done as far as proven at a different school on the pitching side. There have been some batters that, that were added to some different schools. Maryland added a really impact batter, and a couple other schools did too, but it's harder to find top-end pitching in the portal, and Nebraska was able to do that in bringing a guy like Kaminska in. And, again, you look at his numbers at Wichita State uh, against fairly um, comparable competition, he was really dominant. Um, you know, you talk to him, too. He, he uh, is a guy who even his stats, I think, could be a little bit better because uh, his, he would say maybe he stayed in games too long at Wichita State, and that led to some runs late. So there's a ton of upside there. Uh, he's got the velocity. He's got that competitive makeup that you want in a starting pitcher and you know just the the cascading effect of that is is really profound for nebraska because when you can put a guy like that as your starter on saturday then that's part of the reason why you can have guys like shay shanneman and kyle perry coming out of the bullpen why you can have uh, multiple other former friday night starters like brett sears or michael garza uh, who are also coming from other schools why you can why those guys 
can come out of the bullpen. Um, I mean, that's a huge luxury. So I think Kaminska would be that guy for me. And, and I'll give you one more on offense. I think Casey Burnham, the center fielder, could have a big impact on this offense. Um, just from a skill set standpoint, I think he reminds me a lot of Jackson Hallmark, a guy who's going to uh, give defenses fits by the way he lays down bunts. Um, he's got he's the fastest guy on the team, uh, former track guy out of Grand Island in high school, uh, had been at Kansas as a transfer. So I think that's a guy, too, who's immediately going to shore up that defense in center field, will bring a different element to the offense, and is somebody I think fans will enjoy watching, too. Um, something else that will be really uh, fun and entertaining as well is um, getting three jerseys retired uh, at Haymarket Park on the 24th of March. Uh, three pretty good former Huskers, right? Yeah, they were okay. Yeah, Shane Kilmeade <laughs> and Darren Erstad and Alex Gordon. Yeah, you'll take that. Yeah, you'll take that. I mean, uh, that'll be, be pretty electric to see those guys uh, get their jerseys retired, and um, I'm sure there'll be a huge crowd for that one. Yeah, it'll be a cool deal. I mean, all three of those guys, I think, were defined by whatever you want to call it, their toughness, their grittiness, uh, just their – their uh, stubborn determination to mm-hmm. to be elite every day and how hard that is to do. Um, you know, you think about. I, I think when I think of those three guys, I think about how all of them sort of helped stretch Nebraska baseball to new levels that didn't really seem possible before that. Right? Like you think about Darren Erstad and the fact that the number one overall pick in the 1995 MLB draft could have come from. A place like Buck Belter Stadium. I mean, as 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 um, you know, folksy as it was, it was it was also kind of a dump. And so to have uh, a player of that level come out of there was was different and you know unprecedented. And when you think about Komine as mm-hmm. the guy who I don't believe ever lost a start at home, who was there to bridge that era, that Dave Van Horn era, as Nebraska transitioned from Buck Belter to. Haymarket Park, and then Alex Gordon, who wins college baseball's version of the Heisman in the mid-2000s there, and they get back to the College World Series as a, as, with him as a local kid. All just, you know, guys who took Nebraska baseball to that next step, um, and it will. It's going to be really cool to see them have their moment in front of Haymarket Park and the fans and uh, just one more chance to appreciate what they've done for the program. Yeah, I think it's amazing with those guys because obviously the most recent, you know, you remember is uh, Gordon. But when you start looking into like Shane Komenay's stats and how he rewrote the record books for pitching, uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned he uh, sixty-eight career starts. He was forty-one and eight. Hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, and, and his complete games too. I think he has more complete games than Nebraska as a team has had in the last like ten to fifteen years. Like yeah. it's, it was a different era of baseball. I mean, I think you have to acknowledge that but i mean he just had some epic games that you you look at uh and and you you sort of look back on and tell the story of and it's like really he had 162 pitches against this team or he struck out how many against that team and Mm -hmm. uh it was just it was it was a it was a different era and and, you know i I remember him i I grew up going to games at buck belzer and remember the the hawaii 5-0 music that they would play when he would take the mound and you just kind of knew like this is one of those games you you never know what's going to happen with a guy like him and i think you you sort of save that sentiment for the best pitchers out there where it just felt like every time he towed the rubber it could be something historic or something you haven't seen before on that given day evan always a pleasure man i appreciate your time on the monday with us and uh man i can't wait till this time next week and we're talking about actual baseball results 
Let's do it, guys. Yeah, football, may it rest in peace for yep. just yep. a little while, and now we're on to baseball. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Evan. Appreciate it. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. Evan Blaine my Ward Hill right there. Next week, we're going to be talking baseball results. Let's hope it's good results. Let's hope it's good results. All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back and talk about the halftime show and the commercials. The Morning Hookup with Bill Hooks and Will Wilson continues after this. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Mark Starr didn't play much his senior season at Alabama after a coaching change left most seniors on the bench. That didn't stop the Green Bay Packers from taking a chance on Starr, drafting him in the 17th round of the 1956 NFL Draft. The gamble paid off. Starr went on to a Hall of Fame career with five NFL championships, as well as winning the first two Super Bowls in NFL history, winning the MVP of both. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com sports. When there's a chance for a championship trophy, you need to have the right people in the right positions. That's why when you post a job for free, LinkedIn Jobs taps into a network of over 875 million professionals to find the right people for your role. LinkedIn Jobs helps you narrow down to only the most qualified candidates, which means you can start hiring the right people faster. Go to LinkedIn.com sports to post